Welcome back to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. As always, each episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show explores and deconstructs the success strategies of established horror directors while summarizing the key insights and resources that you can use on your own horror filmmaking journey. This includes their creative processes, strategies for getting their films off the ground, favorite books and tools, key life lessons, and so much more. Today, we have Tommy Stovall on the show. Tommy's an American writer, director, and producer. He's directed multiple films, including Hate Crime, Aaron's Blood, Sedona, and his newest horror thriller, Room for Rent, starring the iconic Lynn Shay. I had a really great time speaking to him about making his latest movie and his advice for aspiring indie filmmakers. Without further ado, here is Tommy Stovall. So how did you first come to start directing? What was the beginning and how did you how did you find your way to, to become a director? Well, um, I actually started with a video camera when I was in high school um, as a teenager uh, back in the 80s. And uh, it wasn't something that I thought I would ever do for real. It was just something I did for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I would get some friends and my brother and and we would just take the video camera out and start making up movies as we went along. And, um, I learned how to edit stuff and I enjoyed that. And, um, it was just, it was just a hobby back then. And then when I was in college, uh, it kind of dawned on me, uh, the idea of trying it out, you know, as an independent filmmaker. And I ended up majoring in that in college and radio, TV and film. And, uh, I ended up with the video production company uh, where I videotaped pretty much everything for whatever they would pay me for. And, um, but I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to try independent film. Mm. And, you know, especially during the 90s when, you know, a lot of good indie films were coming out and, and becoming more popular. And, and I felt like I really wanted to give it a shot. And, uh, you know, back then it was still pretty expensive. And so that, that was the biggest hurdle, I think. Um, and making a film was, was just the cost. And, and as the cost kept coming down, um, you know, we figured out a way to raise some money and make a pretty good film. And, and finally, I just um, I uh, took a couple of screenwriting um, seminars and read some books on screenwriting and uh, and wrote a script. And, and that's just kind of how it started. And I, I gave it a shot and pretty much learned everything by doing it. Right. Uh, you know, because you can't really learn learn it unless you do it. Yeah, uh, we had so much fun. I just wanted to keep doing it, so that's how it all kind of got started. What were some of the keys to getting your first movie off the ground? I mean, for people who have the script and have the great idea and and want to make it happen, but don't know how to get financing and don't know you know what their first step is. What would be your advice for people in that scenario? Um. Well, you know, you know, nowadays, you know, back then, I. I I, uh, I decided to write a script because I had no idea how to find a script. Um, now it's easier to find scripts, you know, if, if that's not something you want to do. And there's a lot of good scripts out there. In fact, Room for Rent was a script I found online. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah, from another writer. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. it was it was the first film I've done that where I haven't written the script. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but back when I got started, they didn't have these sites like InkTip, you know, where people post their scripts and producers can look at them and, um, so that's a great resource right there. Uh, 
but as far as you know filmmaking directing um you, even if you have no money it doesn't stop you from going out and, and trying something uh you know, we were fortunate that that we found, uh, you know, with my first film, we found some really good actors. And that was something that I, I didn't really expect. And and and, it, you know, that's something to think about for other filmmakers, too. You know, I expected to go out. Um, we filmed my first film in, in Dallas, Texas, uh, where I, I used to live. And uh, I thought we would just go there. We would find some local actors, um, you know, some local crew and uh, and just make the movie. And, you know, we raised some money from, you know, people we knew, some friends and family. And um, we it was a very low budget, of course. And uh, and luckily, I got introduced uh, to this casting director who lived in L.A. And and I and the person who introduced me said, you, you, you just give this script to her. She might she might be interested in helping you with it. And um, and she read the script, liked it. And before you knew it, within a couple of days, she had sent the script out to to agents and she got tons of these responses from agents. Wow. For their actors who wanted to audition for this film. And these were these were people, well-known actors that I knew, you know, I've seen them. I, I knew who they were. Yeah. Um, and I was just floored. I was shocked. I had no idea that, you know, we even had access to this kind of talent. And what I found was that a lot of these actors, um, they're always just wanting to work. And they love, and a lot of them love to find new talent, new directors to work with. And, you know, and they know going into it, they, they, they have no idea if this person's going to be good or not. And, but they, you know, they love what they do and, and, and they'll give it a shot oftentimes, especially if it's a good script or a project they believe in. And, and so that was kind of how it happened. And, and I, I, all of a sudden I ended up, you know, Lynn Shea was in my first film as well. She was one of the actors that I had in my first film. And, um, you know, and I still can't believe that, that we got the cast that we got, but, but I, you know, other directors have done the same thing. And so, you know, you never know, you know, shoot for the moon is, is what I say. And, yeah. and, and so find someone and, you know, and now you can just, you, you can go on IMDB and call an actor's agent, um, say, I've got this script. And, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, the agent will be open to talking to you and, and, you know, and if you have an actor who is talented and well-known and um, has a pretty good resume, you know, that makes it easier to raise the money as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just, you know, you just got to one of one of the things I learned and what I what I say a lot is you have to really learn to take no a lot of times for an answer. But yeah. you have to keep going. You know, you got to you got to just ignore that because you're going to get no um, you know, a hundred times more than you get. Yes. In this business. And, and whether it's, you know, asking actors to be in your project or whether it's, um, asking people for if they want to invest in your film. Um, but you just got to keep going. You, you can't let that stop you. And, you know, it, it, it just, you know, I, over my four films that I've done, you know, I've asked a lot of actors to be in the film and they've said no as well. And, you know, and it's disappointing, but, you know, you always find it always works out. You find someone who, who will do it. And it's always better to have someone who's excited about doing it. And um, so I don't know. It's just, you know, I just say just do it. That's what right. you got to do. Just got to just go out there and, and do it. Yeah.
No, that makes a lot of sense. And the idea that actors are just ready to work and they're excited by new voices and new projects and they're not necessarily motivated by big studios or by big budgets. I think that's something a lot of independent filmmakers don't consider. Um, and also, if you if there's an actor who's on a TV show or something and they're not the main star, but everybody thinks they're promising, if you put them front and center in your movie, that is very appealing to to, to certain actors as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just for instance, um, you know, Lynn Shea, who I've worked with three times, um, fortunately for me, um, she just likes to work. Yeah. You know, she loves what she does. She loves acting. She loves independent film. You know, a lot of actors are very supportive, uh, supportive of independent film. Um, and you just never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I dive in right in a room for rent. It was great to see her as a protagonist and to see how chilling she can perform i mean that was an, such a good performance that was really really fantastic yeah thank you for that i i agree um that was when i read the script i i immediately thought of her and one of the things you know just like you said you don't get to see her as a protagonist as the main character a lot she she's a scene stealer you know she always you know she's always the most memorable in whatever scene she's in because she's so terrific um, but as, you know, just as a fan of hers, I, I would, you know, I thought I would like to see her in a leading role like this. And, um, and I, and I, and I figured a lot of her fans would as well. And, um, I just thought it was a great character for her to sink her teeth into. And, um, and, uh, luckily, you know, she ended up saying yes. And, and, uh, she just really threw her everything she had into it. Yeah. No, it totally seemed like it. I mean, such a, for a character to go on such an emotional roller coaster, and she doesn't skip a beat. I mean, she's so compelling, and it's 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 tr- it's very tragic in moments, and then very chilling at other moments. And having grown up seeing so many of her movies, it feels like you're you know you're watching a family member is having a, a, a mental breakdown. What was the what was the collaborative process like working with her? I mean, how how were you able to help her build that character and find her vulnerability and then, then find her complete and total utter insanity? Yeah, well that's, you know, I have to give her a lot of credit. Um, we worked on the, on the film, the, the, the script and the character for a few months before we started shooting actually. Um, you know, she, she is one of these actresses that really, dives deep into her character's backstory. Um, you know, even the other films that I did with her, she, she did the same thing and, you know, and it was, they were much smaller roles, but she, she really goes into the character's backstory and, Mm. um, she is one of the most thorough actors I've ever worked with. Um, as far as figuring out, you know, the character's motivations and why they say what they say and why they do what they do. And, Um, and she, you know, with this film, she just tried to come up with, you know, what, what would make this interesting as a character and as a film. And, and she put so many more layers on the character than what was originally written. Um, you know, Joyce, uh, the character she plays goes through a much, um, much larger transformation throughout the film than we had originally envisioned. And it makes it so much more interesting, Mm. um, you know, she starts off, you know, as this timid, um, simple, seemingly simple character and, um, and just, you know, the art goes from there and she ends up, you know, transforming into this totally, you know, different 
person you know even with the even the the clothing she wears in the film um she she came up with this idea this this um you know clothing arc and it's so and and it was just brilliant and it's such a big part of the character and it helps you know it helps you um see this character transform as the movie goes on and you know and and it makes you kind of go into her world and what she's thinking and you know her her what she's fantasizing about and um it was just so much fun you know we talked um you know once or twice a week you know like i said for a few months and she would come up with these ideas and she would call and um she would be so excited oh i thought of this and i thought you know and i said oh that sounds great you know we we should do that and and by the time we started filming she knew exactly how she was going to approach every scene and um and it was just you know she's just great to work with um she like i said she puts everything she has into it and um she's just professional and fun to be around and yeah um it was it was was a lot of fun that's great did you guys consult any actual true cases either of you know airbnb psycho issues or (laughs) or people within it's in similar scenarios as her character who were just having just these these murderous nervous breakdowns did you consult any actual cases of anything to to inspire the the acting or the movie no not really um i mean i read a couple of things but i i i hadn't known of any um really you know severe cases like this with the with a and b or i hadn't heard of anything like that um you know i had my own weird situation once um with the and b but it was just kind of an awkward thing it wasn't scary or anything so i knew how you know, when, when you're renting a place from someone like that, you don't really know what you're getting into. Yeah. You, you can, you can look at pictures on the internet and, and read reviews and, but until you're there, you don't really know what you're going into. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, that, you know, that was always something to think about anyway, you know, yeah. you at least, be, at least be aware and, um, and know something about this person you're renting from. Yeah. I always thought it was a great idea for a horror movie is to do an Airbnb kind of horror movie. Like you check into a place, you don't know, you don't know the person, but there's this culture of trust, um, similar with Uber. There should be like a rideshare horror movie as well. I always thought it was really ripe, relevant material for, for that lends itself to horror. Cause it's all just based on trust. Whereas, I mean, what if you put too much trust in somebody and they are not exactly trustworthy, put yourself in a pretty vulnerable spot. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we, we know so many people, especially where I live, um, you know, so many people are renting their places out, uh, on Airbnb and mm-hmm. it's just this thing. It's just, it's this craze that's been going on. And, yeah. um, you know, you gotta think about that too. When you're renting your place to someone, you don't know they're coming in and, you know, it's just, it's a weird kind of thing when you think about it. One thing I noticed about the movie is it's it's very expertly paced. I mean, it's a slow burn and sometimes slow burns can tend to be, you know, kind of boring. But this just it just kept building and building and building. And then it would throw these little uncomfortable curveballs. And it was constantly entertaining while also building to just like a slow burning to a to a complete and total boil. I was wondering how conscious that was and how you approached the overall pacing of the movie. Um, well, a lot of that had to do, you know, that was in the editing process. Um, you tend to, when you start editing a film, you tend to put pretty much everything in there and, it, and the film is always way too long, right. you know, the first day. And 
And it's something I just, you know, I really try to be mindful of this time. Um, you know, I go back and watch my other films and I always look at stuff, um, you know, how that could have been edited better. And, um, you know, we should have done this on that or what or whatever. And and I really tried, you know, especially since this, like you said, a slow burn thriller, I really tried to get the pacing right. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I thank you for saying that. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that because that's something we worked on. Um, you know, originally the the beginning of the movie, especially that, you know, there were a lot of brilliant things Lynn did that we had in the movie mm-hmm. and she, um, and we ended up taking it out just because, you know, of the pacing mm-hmm. and, um, it, a lot of times you hate to take stuff out because sometimes, you know, an actor is just so great in the, in the moment or whatever. And, um, really I tried to make pacing the first priority here. And so, you know, I, I really tried to, tell myself, look, it doesn't matter if, you know, this thing may be brilliant, but if it slows the movie down, we got to take it out. Kill your Um, darlings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's something you learn to do more and more as you go along. Um, you know, when you first start out, that's something you very, very hard to do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know, when you're making films, you learn everything, every time you make a film, you learn from it. And, um, and that's something I really tried to learn from. And, um, and we had some test screenings with audiences and, uh, you know, were able to see how people were responding with the pacing and, and so on. And, and so we just tried to get it right. And, um, you know, you try to make it a little more fast paced as the movie goes along. And, mm-hmm. um, so we just, you know, something you can't really, you don't really know until you start editing, you know, putting stuff together and, yeah. um, so, yeah, that's something that, that I'm really kind of proud of uh, in that because we've got a lot of uh, positive response in that aspect. Cool. That's great. So as a, one thing I'm always fascinated by with directors and writers is how do you capture your ideas? Are you a notebook guy? Do you use something like Evernote? I mean, because you must just constantly throughout the day have ideas about little details or movie ideas. How do you? capture it all and organize it in one place so that when it comes time to, to do a movie or to sit down and write a movie, you can access all of these just kind of random thoughts and, you know, ideas that you've had. Um, I just keep a notepad. Um, it's pretty, it's that simple. I, I actually, I keep a notepad by my bed, uh, on my nightstand because, uh, because more often than not, I'll get most of my ideas when I'm trying to go to sleep. Hmm. Um, yeah. or I'll even, or I'll even wake up in the middle of the night with an idea. And if I don't write it down, I'll forget it. So I keep a notepad right there so I can write things down. And, uh, and I just, you know, I, I'll have pages and pages of notes. And when I'm writing a script or, de- you know, developing a script, I'll, I'll just keep a running, running tap, you know, notepad and, um, and then copy stuff over when I, you know, check off certain things. And, um, because, you know, you do forget stuff. And so I yeah. try to, just, uh, you know, I'll go back and read stuff that I, that I totally forgot that I had written down. And I'm, and I'm like, wow, that was brilliant. I'm glad I thought of that. <laughs> cool. So seeing the movie in its finished form, what would you have invested more in and what would you have invested less in? I don't necessarily mean money. It can be time, energy, resources, what have you. But what would you have invested more in and what would you have invested less in? You know, it, it's hard to say it's hard to say what you would have invested more in because if I had the money and resources, I would, I would have invested a lot more in pretty much every aspect. Right. Um, the biggest challenge, uh, really is time. 
especially when you're working with a small crew. Um, you know, there are a lot of good things with a small crew um, as far as being able to get things done and being creative and, and all that. Uh, but you're you're constantly going. Everybody's doing something all the time, and mm-hmm. you're trying to make your day. You're trying to make the schedule, and um, you don't have a lot of time for a lot of takes uh, on each scene. And so um, you're just you know, trying to finish the day. And so that, that's the main thing, you know, more money always helps. Yeah. Um, and, and really what it gives you is time. It gives you, you know, time and resources. Um, but you know, you're, you always look back and, you know, there's always some waste in, in a film production and in every film we've done, we've, we've been able to lessen that to a certain mm-hmm. extent because you learn. And, um, and so a lot of times you go back and say, oh, you know, we didn't need to spend money on that or we didn't need to spend time on that. And right. uh, thinking about this project, we did pretty good. Um, we didn't there wasn't a lot of wasted time. And, um, you know, and we the main thing we try to do is have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, you know, that's the, that's the, the thing that keeps me coming back. You know, you have fun and you like the people you work with. And yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's just something you, you're constantly thinking about, you know, as a producer, you're constantly thinking about, um, you know, s- spending your resources where they're most uh, valuable. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you mentioned fun being a really important part of the process. And with particularly with independent filmmaking, it's so important to keep that crew motivated and to keep to have a set that's relatively fun, but it can't be too fun because then they start to slack off. So I'm curious as to how you're able to kind of establish that balance where people are there and they enjoy being on set, but they're motivated to do their best work because it's a challenge for a lot of directors who are independent and don't have those insane Hollywood $50 million budget. Right. Right. Well, you're right. It's, it's that, that's another challenge. Um, you know, when you're not paying someone what they're normally paid or, you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, to keep them motivated, but luckily, you know, we've been able to work with, with people who really enjoy doing it. Mm. Um, you know, we did the film I, we did before this, uh, pretty much our, in, in, almost the entire crew were film students who had just graduated from film school. Oh, wow. And that was probably the most fun project I've done. Really? Because they were so positive and so eager and so excited to be working on a feature film that every day they were just happy all the time. That's cool. And yeah. And it was, it was so much fun. And, um, and I think, I, I, I think people who probably have worked in the business longer, you know, aren't like that. You right. Know, fun, you know, it's, it's more motivated by a paycheck, but, but, but also, you know, you want people to be motivated by, um, the excitement of doing it because mm. they're going to bring, you know, they're going to bring more to the project. Um, you know, it's like when you're casting, you know, I always look and see, you know, which actor is really, really motivated to do this. Yeah. You know, how, how passionate are they about this? And a lot of times it's someone you may not have thought about originally, but, but because of their passion for the project and for the character or whatever, they're going to put everything they have into it and probably give you a better performance. Mm. Um, And it's the same thing with crew, you know, Uh, 
you know, and you just you try to, you know, you you have to be nice to the crew. You have to treat them well. You have to, you know, have plenty of uh, snacks around the set all the time and feed them well. And, um, you know, they're just something, you know, which you know, I think is just obvious. And, yeah. Um, and just, you know, you try to keep it fun. Um, you know, it's a small family that kind of mm-hmm. it's, it's a temporary family every time you do a movie. And um, so you try to keep the drama to a minimum. That's right. For sure. So hiring a crew of mostly college kids, is that a or recent college grads? Is that a move that you would recommend? It sounds like you had a lot of fun. I guess it depends on who it is. You know, the, these these guys were very, very talented. Um and they were at, we had a film school where I live that uh, was very hands-on and they had all this um, state-of-the-art equipment. And so all these guys learned filmmaking by using all this equipment and and they, you know, had pretty much done every, um, every crew position on the crew at one time or another. And they were the type of people that they would just go out like I used to do for fun and make stuff, mm. you know, they're you know not getting paid or, or anything. They're, they just go out, they're making stuff. They want to you know get into the business and, and they just did it because of the passion. It's just what they love to do. And that makes such a difference. And, um, and, you know, it was, uh, like I said, it was just, the enthusiasm was just amazing. Right. Uh, it sounds like that makes all the difference of the world. You had mentioned that you had taken some screenwriting seminars and things like that. So the entire, I feel like the entire filmmaking industry, there's so many books and so many courses and there's a, there's a lot of bullshit in that market, but it sounds like these, these, these courses were formidable for you. Were there any other either courses or books that were particularly helpful for you, either creatively or in terms of business, the business of film? that contributed to your career? I mean, like I said, you don't really learn until you actually do it. That's yeah. the best way to learn. Um, you know, I read a couple of screenwriting books just on the technical part of it, just, you know, how a script is, is formatted. Um, but I'm not sure that's something you can really be taught um, until you try it. And, and, you know, you read a lot of scripts and, and so on. And, um, but there's one book that that I would recommend to any director or filmmaker who wants to direct. And, and this is a book that my first film, we had this amazing first uh, AD, first assistant director. And, you know, he knew it was my first film and I had no idea what I was getting into. And uh, he had been in the business a while. And um, he gave me this book during pre-production. It was called Directing Actors. Mm. And... And I read the book before we started shooting, you know, while we were in pre-production and it was just so valuable because I hadn't, I hadn't worked with actors on that level before. And that's something I was just going in totally blind. Um, and whether you have, you know, whether you've worked with actors or not, it's, it would be something uh, valuable to read, but, but, you know, I'll never forget that, that, that was such a huge help. And that's probably the, um, the most helpful book I've ever read. Okay, great. So what are you working on next? Um, I have a couple of projects kind of on the back burner. Um, one is called Condition of Return. We're trying to, to raise some money and um, not sure when we want to start filming or, or get going on it, but we're hoping to get, you know, we're in development with it and mm-hmm. hoping to get going soon. And um, it's another psychological thriller type, type film. 
Um, and then I have another one uh, kind of in my head that I want to start writing a script for. And um, you, know, you just never know. It's it's uh, yeah. I want to keep keep going. You know, you try yeah. to keep going. And it's just, you know, timing is always an issue and, um, you know, money's always an issue. And so, right. so who knows? We'll just keep, you know, plotting along and hopefully it'll happen soon. I gotcha. Oh, and I'd forgotten to ask. I mean, you've shot a number of movies in Arizona, specifically Sedona, other than just the sheer beauty of that location and the high production value that that alone offers. Are there, are there any other major benefits in shooting in Arizona or do you just kind of like it? Well, the biggest benefit is it's convenient because I live here. Well, there's that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the reason. Um, and, and, you know, the second film we made was called Sedona, about right. Sedona. So obviously that, you know, we wanted to film that here. Um, but that's pretty much it. You know, it's always more challenging when you have to travel and, um, you know, it costs more money to, to put yourself up in a hotel and all that. Um, but, yeah, it's just convenience. Uh, and it's a great great place to be in film. And like you said, it's, you know, great backdrop and, um, and people like, you know, that's another thing you know, people like working here, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's always, it's easier to get actors and crew to come out here to, to play around and make a film than, you know, some other places. So that makes sense. Cool. Okay, great. Well, Tommy, I really, really appreciate the time. Thank you. And huge congratulations room for rent. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Well, thank, thank you. Any, uh, parting advice for aspiring filmmakers? Um, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I, there was a point, uh, where it had taken me a few years, um, where I kept, you know, saying I wanted to do a film. I wanted to do a film, you know, someday, someday. And I got to the point where I said, you know, if I never try, I will always regret it. Mm -hmm. And and so that's what kind of motivated me to take the plunge. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't know what I was getting into and I knew it could be a total disaster, but I knew that if I never tried, I would regret it. Yeah. And so just, you know, think you got to have that attitude, I think. And, um, and like I said, you just, you just go out and do it and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn from the mistakes and you're going to be better next time. And, um, and just do it and, and just always remember to have fun because that's, that's, why you do it. At least that's why I do it. Yeah. Um, And that's why I wanted to keep doing it. So just, you know, go out there and give it a shot. That's really all I can say. Great. All right. Well, on that note, Tommy, thank you again. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun, super informative. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right. What a great conversation. So as always, here are my key takeaways from this conversation with Tommy Stovall. Number one, aim high when casting. When making a low-budget movie, the performances will make or break the film, which makes good casting critical. But the fact still remains. Good actors are typically more expensive. So what do you do? Tommy had worked with Lynn Shea in the past, but was able to get her as his lead for Room for Rent because he gave her the opportunity to collaborate closely with him and craft her character around what she was most interested in doing as an actor. Many directors have spoken about this little casting hack, where you can attract great actors by giving them the opportunity to craft the script and character around their strengths and interests. A lot of very good actors just want to work, and if your script is solid and you give them an opportunity to either extend 
their range or do something they've never done, you have a very decent shot at getting well-known names. You're obviously not going to get Brad Pitt this way, but that supporting character on that TV show you really like, who you always thought could carry a movie, might be a very realistic option. Mark Duplass has an excellent speech that outlines this same strategy. Check it out on YouTube. It's called The Cavalry Is Not Coming. He filmed it at South by Southwest a few years ago. It's about an hour long, but I highly recommend watching or listening to the entire thing. Number two, get used to no. It's very cliche, but deserves to be repeated. Tommy, like most directors, wasn't handed a movie to direct. He had to fight for it and work through multiple rejections before he was ever given an opportunity. Directing ain't for sissies. Thick skin and a never-give-up attitude is required. Additionally, it's important to not hear no, but instead hear not now, as many producers will initially pass on a project, then jump on board later down the line. Listen to my interview with William Lustig for more on this. Number three, perfectionism is the enemy. Take the plunge. A lot of would-be directors are paralyzed by their own perfection and someday approach to filmmaking. As Tony Robbins says, the road to someday leads to the town of never. I might be paraphrasing just a bit. But many people don't fully comprehend that hands-on real experience is the only way to become a good director, not by planning, attending film school, reading books, or researching, even though these things are all very important. But if you're not 100% sure of your script or your approach or whether or not you really know what you're doing, Tommy recommends that you get out there and make your film anyway so you can make your mistakes, fail upwards, and get better. Anyway, guys, thank you again, as always, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with your friends, family, and colleagues on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And thank you again for listening to The Nick Taylor Horror Show. 